SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Arielle Epstein. We've got you covered here till noon Eastern time on the grid. So many great guests, so many big storylines, so many edges to get you in the gambling world today. We're going to be joined by Sports Grid's own James Young because even though we haven't spoken about the Summer League that often here on the show, it is the final tonight between the Boston Celtics and the Sacramento Kings. There are futures odds up on the FanDuel Sportsbook, and a huge deal just went down this morning with the Philadelphia 76ers signing their center, Joel Embiid, to a massive contract extension. Major League Baseball last night, we hit some major bets yesterday. Our till bet do us part. We had the TV dub sweep in addition to a huge same game parlay that could have and should have and did. It did hit. I didn't end up betting it actually myself. I wish I did, but we did give it out here on the show. It was about 14 to 1, which is pretty crazy. And my co-host, Ben Stevens, he's always there to help me out, to give you the edge, and to always make you some money, especially when it comes to plus money. Good morning, Ben. Plus money, plus 1476. When you couple everything in there, a Rockies win straight up on the money line or the run line, which is not an option for an SGP, an under of an inflated total of 12 and a half. And oh yeah, let's bring in the home run prop king himself, Tom Vecchio, to add CJ Crone, who hits the walk-off in Denver, Colorado last night at Coors Field. Same game parlay for tons of plus money or just the TB'd up best bet sweep as it is straight up. I hope you guys are listening and following, and we hope to provide you that winning edge each and every day here on the morning after. And we are getting oh so close to where I think I provide the most edges of all the winning edges, and that is college football. Because, Ariel, the preseason AP poll unveiled yesterday, which means college football is very, very close. Here's what I love. I go through the AP poll yesterday. I compare it to where these teams are on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the national championship odds. Here's your top 10 according to the first AP poll of the season in college football. Alabama number one, Oklahoma number two, Clemson three, Ohio State four, Georgia five, Texas A&M six, Iowa State seven, Cincinnati eight, Notre Dame nine, and North Carolina at 10th. Here's where the most interesting team is to me, Ben. On the Vandal Sportsbook, Cincinnati is 150 to 1 to win the national title, which is the 33rd, uh, high, the 33rd shortest odds. So ranking 33rd is the way I look at it on the odds board. Cincinnati's ranked 8th in the AP poll. Why is Cincinnati being so underbooked technically by odds makers if they're ranked 8th in the preseason poll? Because the odds makers are just following the chalk and following the history of college football. What are these sports that literally follows chalk each and every year? It's elitist almost in ways that the best programs each and every season make up the college football playoff. A group of five team, which Cincinnati is a part of coming from the American Athletic Conference, has never made the CFP Final Four. In fact, 
Only one national champion in the last nine years, Ariel, has come outside of the top six in the preseason AP poll. So when you look at that top six right now and you see Alabama and Oklahoma and Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Texas A&M, history would dictate the national championship winner is going to come from one of those six teams. So, yes, Cincinnati eighth overall to start off the year in the AP poll, their highest ever ranking in a preseason AP poll. The only other time they've been ranked in a preseason AP top 25 was entering last year as they were ranked 20th as we welcome in our sports grid radio audience here in the morning after it's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein you're listening on Sirius XM channel 204 the mightier 1090 out on the west coast we are discussing the first AP poll of the season the preseason AP poll in which Alabama ranks number one for the sixth time under Nick Saban but Ariel it is chalk at the top and it's rightfully so that the odds makers are booking it as the case because that chalk is generally what we see by the time we get to the end of the year and early December in that college football playoff. Another team that's interesting, Oklahoma being ranked second best in the AP poll, yet in the odds, they're at 8-1, to one, which is the fifth best odds on Fanzel to win the national championship. Second is Clemson. They are second behind Alabama on the odds board at 4-1. to one. However, Clemson's ranked third. Ben, there's a little bit of discrepancy between Oklahoma and Clemson between the AP poll and the futures market. Why do you think? Well, I think you look at Oklahoma specifically. 8-1, to one, the fifth shortest odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now to win the CFP national title. And you might be able to find value on the Sooners based on recent trends in the college football playoff era. No team that has ever been ranked in the top two in the AP preseason poll has finished outside of the top eight by the time we get to that final CFP poll. So that would dictate that Oklahoma has a very good chance of being in that final four with a run to the national championship in its sight. So to be ranked top two in the first AP poll of the season is a very good thing if you wanted to back the Sooners. And then based on where they find themselves in the national title odds on FanDuel, that 8-1 to one provides you some more value instead of having to back Alabama or Clemson at those numbers. I also think Georgia, Ariel, gives you some good values. They're ranked fifth in the AP poll, but third best odds to win the national title. Keep an eye on those Bulldogs this year as well. It's funny because Ben said yesterday on the show that he really likes Georgia out of the SEC this year, and the odds makers agree. So Ben keeps asking John Sheeran, the director of trading at FanDuel, to bring him on as an odds maker, to bring him on to help him out with college sports. And Ben is spot on with the odds makers, as opposed to the AP poll, which, by the way, Ben, you are always annoyed with how these AP polls pan out. You always are annoyed with how the college football playoffs pan out. So at least you know you're on the same page as these odds makers. Coming up next, Major League Baseball gambling recap. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
back on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Yesterday, favorites went 7-3 and three straight up in Major League Baseball. Go figure. Favorites hitting at just over 59% on the season. There are a few teams. So Jeff Passan of ESPN.com listed that there's about 7.5 really bad teams left in baseball. Then he took all the top teams in baseball and said, okay, here's how many of these teams are going to be playing the really bad teams. When speaking of favorites, here's where you're going to find favorites that are going to probably be heavy favorites going forward. Houston is going to play, out of all the American League teams, they're going to play that bottom half that Jeff Passan's reporting 17 times, which is the most of anyone in the American League. In the National League, the Philadelphia Phillies are going to play the worst teams in baseball 24 times, which is the most amongst everybody. Ben, when looking at this list, strong versus weak, how much does it make you think, hmm, maybe these are bets in the futures market? Well, that's really the case, right? Especially when you look in the National League and you see the Philadelphia Phillies, who are a game and a half back now of the Atlanta Braves for that top spot in the NL East. And then you go to the FanDuel Sportsbook and you look for those National League East divisional odds and you see the Braves are a minus money favorite at the moment with a one and a half game lead at minus 105. The Phillies at plus 165. But the Phillies have a very easy stretch here throughout the rest of this MLB regular season. And then you look across to maybe the National League wild card. And although there are not make playoff odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now, there may be in the future. And you look at the Cincinnati Reds, and they have 19 games against this bottom half bad teams in the league versus the San Diego Padres, who only have three. And that might be one of the biggest distinctions we see on this list compiled by Jeff Passan because the Reds are now only a game and a half back of the Padres for that second and final NL wildcard spot. And as Cincy continues to storm through and gets to face teams in the NL Central, like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Chicago Cubs, they could maybe make up some ground while the Padres are playing in the NL West where you have teams like the Dodgers and the Giants and even the Rockies at home. So a much more difficult path for the Padres to the postseason as opposed to the Reds. So this is a fascinating list from Jeff Passan and something to keep in mind in your daily handicapping, looking at game lines and totals just on a daily basis in Major League Baseball, but also in the futures market for who might win some divisions, especially there in the National League East or maybe even the American League East as well. Speaking of winning the American League East, the front runner is currently the Tampa Bay Rays. They pick up a 9-2 win yesterday over the Baltimore Orioles. Everyone knows, or at least everyone may know here on the show, that my family has half my family's from Maryland, which means that even though I'm a diehard Ravens fan, I am not a diehard Orioles fan. I'm a Yankees fan. <laughs> the rest of this house, however, is diehard Orioles fans. I couldn't wait to tell my dad and my brother this stat about their Orioles. The Orioles, with the 9-2 loss to the Rays, have now lost 12 straight games, all by multiple runs. It's a minus 77 run differential that spans oh. that spans as the worst 12-game span in the modern era, matching the 1977 Braves, the 1936 Athletics, and the 1901 Reds. Taking that minus 1.5 on the Rays, even though it's a minus 275 money line that the Rays cashed last night, that minus 1.5 on the run line, I hate doing it, but when you're taking the Orioles on the other side, maybe it is the minus 1.5 that should prevail, Ben. 
I mean, if you're looking at a run line and you see the Baltimore Orioles there, it might seem like a very profitable bet, despite the fact you might have to lay some juice because the Orioles have the second worst run line record in all of Major League Baseball at 47 and 70 this year. So you might see a big favorite like the Tampa Bay Rays who are laying over two and a half bills on that money line. You still might have to pay a price to lay the one and a half on the run line, which is not necessarily something we recommend here often. But if they're playing the Baltimore Orioles or, dare I say, the Chicago Cubs, it might be worth it when they are playing these really bad teams. It goes hand-in-hand with what Jeff Passan laid out about these really bad teams right now with about 45 games left in this MLB season who you can fade and do so in multiple, multiple ways. The Orioles have lost 12 straight games. They also have the worst run differential outside of just this 12-game stretch in all of Major League Baseball this year. Something like minus 208 in their run differential. The worst in all of Major League Baseball. And then you couple that with the Cubs, Ariel, who also stink right now, who also have lost 12 straight games. This is the first time or this is actually the second time this year, with the first time overall this season, but the second time this year that two teams have lost 12 straight games on the same day. The Orioles and the Cubs losing and extending their losing streaks to 12 games for the on the same day this year. That is the second time that has happened this season. It is the first time that has happened in history since 1935. So historic losing streaks across Major League Baseball And again, opportunities to fade these teams in the betting markets. Exactly, which is why in the month of August, you really start to see a lot of these teams heat up that are trying to make these playoff pushes. And the other ones really just start to tank because it is after the All-Star break. A team that's been heating up, the New York Yankees. The problem with the Yankees is they continue to play really close games. The Yankees beat the Angels 2-1 to yesterday. The Yanks cash in at home, minus 275 on the money line. New York has had the most games decided by one or two runs of any team in baseball this year. The Yankees have played 66 games, resulting in a game between game decided between one and two runs 43 wins which is also the most in major league baseball a 652 win percentage which is the best in major league baseball when getting games decided by one or two runs it's pretty shocking to see this yet ben i can't say okay 43 wins most in baseball great they are winning the games that are close however they still have the most games played being decided by one or two runs which makes sense that you would have the most wins decided by one or two runs The Yankees are playing really close games, so great. The second half has looked better for them. The way I would play this isn't about the Yankees winning the game. The way I would play it is if you go to the same game parlay option on FanDuel, you go to what's called TriBet 1, TriBet 2, and TriBet 3. You can go and bet for either team to win the game by one run or by two runs. And it's usually anywhere between minus 105 to minus 130. That's where you get your edge. That's where it's a better number. Then it's been my favorite way to bet the New York Yankees, especially in division play this year. It's been very smart to do just that. And unsurprisingly, when you look at all those numbers, 66 games decided by one or two runs, 43 wins, the best winning percentage in all of Major League Baseball. But if you look at the run line record for the Yankees this year, it's the eighth worst in MLB, 55 and 63 on that run line this year. So other areas to look at if you are trying to tail or fade the Yankees, the run line might not be all that profitable for you if you're looking to back the Bronx Bombers on that run line. But good news for you. Try that. Try that is the way to go. Good news if you're trying to back the Yankees, though. 20 and 8 
since the All-Star break, the best record in all of Major League Baseball. So turning it on right now, no difference in the futures market right now on the Yankees. Still 11-1 to to win the American League behind teams like the Blue Jays and the Red Sox and the Rays. So still, as they're climbing their way back up, only a game and a half back now of that second and final AL wildcard spot. Still getting them with four digits in a plus money category next to their name to win the American League pennant. And Ariel, one thing you can take from this is if they get into those tight clutch postseason moments, at least they have the experience. They do have the experience. They just don't have a closer. The Yankees need Mariano Rivera to come out of retirement. Lastly, just a shout-out to Joey Votto, who is now a member of the 2000 Hit Club. Yesterday, the Reds beat the Cubs 14-5. to Reds cash minus 235 on the money line. Votto is the second player in ALNL history to record his 2000th hit, 1,000th RBI, and 300th home run all in the same season. Just Billy Williams back in 1971. Ben, round of applause to Joey Votto, creating history again. Ariel, Joey Votto, since the All-Star break, is the best offensive player in all of Major League Baseball, according to War. He has hit 15 home runs in 28 games, 36 RBIs, batting 352 and 829 slugging percentage. The Reds, the second best offense overall since the All-Star break as well veterans prevailing down the stretch of a major league baseball season which we only played 60 games last year now getting sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com On the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. You know it's getting closer to football season when I can go off on the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens have so many injuries that I'm ready to jump off my roof. The Ravens wide receiver Sammy Watkins ends up leaving practice yesterday early with the trainer. That means that now the Ravens have Marquise Brown, who's been sitting out with a hamstring injury, Rashad Bateman sidelined with a groin injury. The Ravens are without their top three receivers for the last hour of practice yesterday. Oh, and their backup quarterback, Trace McSorley, was lifting up a box and pulled something in his back, and he will also be out for the rest of the preseason. Injuries already starting in training camp, Ben. I'm so excited. This is very, very difficult. And it's tough to see for the Baltimore Ravens. Hollywood Brown out, Rashad Bateman out, Sammy Watkins, who has had an injury history throughout his career, is also out. It has not affected Baltimore so much in the futures market. Their team win total is still 11. They are still the favorites to win the AFC North at plus 115, the third shortest odds to win the AFC at plus 650. All of that is fine. So how can we take this and look at any futures for the Baltimore Ravens right now. It's not overly concerning at the moment, but as Dr. David Chow said yesterday, when injuries start to creep up right now in training camp, it's not like, uh-oh, we're fine, rest up a couple of days. It's, uh-oh, are we going to be ready for the regular season opener come early September? So when you look at how this might affect other players on the Ravens, Lamar's passing prop is still at 3,400 and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook. His rushing yards prop 
is 900 in the hook. And we know the Baltimore Ravens, who have had the best rushing offense as a team overall the past two seasons in the NFL. Maybe you look at Lamar Jackson. Maybe you look at J.K. Dobbins to get some good rushing yards here early on in the regular season. But you brought up Trace McSorley. That is where I am most concerned for the Baltimore Ravens in the betting markets at the moment because without Trace, who was the starter for the Ravens in week one of the preseason, could that 18-game preseason winning streak straight up be in danger? The Ravens, a three-point favorite on the road against the Carolina Panthers coming up this weekend. That is where I'm most concerned for Baltimore right now, Ariel. Yeah, and this preseason record. The Ravens have won 18 straight preseason games, 16-1-1 against the spread. They are going to be up against the Carolina Panthers, laying three points on the road at Carolina, total 35-and-a-half. Another update. I actually wanted to talk about this because I saw this uh, on Twitter yesterday. The Los Angeles Chargers, their wide receiver Keenan Allen, had 11 games uninterrupted by injury last year with the quarterback Justin Herbert. His target in those games, uh, his targets in those games, Keenan Allen, 10, 17, 11, 13. I mean, there's a lot of numbers. I'm not going to get into this. But basically, on a 17-game pace, he's targeted for 196 targets from Justin Herbert. Ben, when it comes to receiving yards, when it comes to receptions props, Keenan Allen is your man in L.A. I absolutely love Keenan Allen, one of the best route runners you will see in all the National Football League. So let's go to that player prop futures market and let's look at what Keenan Allen has heading into the regular season. He is 17 to 1 plus 1700 to have the most receiving yards in the NFL this year. You want to talk about a sprinkle? You want to talk about value? Keenan Allen could be that guy. His receiving yards prop overall for this 2021 regular season is 1050 and the hook. If you look at Keenan Allen's career, he did not go over that number last year in 2020, but like Ariel mentioned, because of injury, only played 14 games. But in the three years previous to that, without Justin Herbert, who targets him so much so, Keenan Allen was over that number in 2019, 2018, and 2017. There is value on Keenan Allen in the player props market for sure. You just have to be weary of injury. Hopefully no injuries to Keenan Allen this year. We do have to welcome in our MSG audience, so stay right here on the grid. We're going to be back in about 30 seconds, and we're going to have some more talk because the New York Giants, the New York Jets, they're coming off of their preseason game versus each other, where for the first time since 2013, the New York Jets picked up a preseason win over their rivals in the Meadowlands. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. We'll be back in 15 seconds seconds as we welcome in MSG. Welcome to our MSG audience here in the first hour on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. As we welcome in this New York audience, it's time to talk about the preseason. In the NFL, the New York Jets and New York Giants are both coming off of games against each other where the Jets did end up winning that game 12-7. to under The Jets do go on the road to face the Green Bay Packers. The Jets actually had line movement tremendously in their favor since it opened. The Jets opened as three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road at Green Bay, and now they're minus one-and-a-half. As for the total, it's dropped 36-and-a-half, goes down to 33-and-a-half. 
the total continues to drop in this one. The under could be at play considering the Jets and Giants only ended up scoring 19 combined points. Yet we did see line movement didn't matter so much when it came to taking a side in the NFL preseason games in week one. Ben, with the Jets going to Green Bay, what are your thoughts on preseason game two? Well, you know me. I love to handicap NFL preseason games. It is my favorite thing to do at the moment. We will dive into this really throughout the rest of the week. This would probably be a game that on paper I don't pay much attention to, but it might be one we should look at because I think the reason there has been that line movement in favor of the New York Jets is because of the news surrounding Jordan Love, the backup quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. They expect him to miss this week, although the MRI was clean Still, they might miss some time this preseason from their quarterback in Jordan Love. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to play. We'll wait on reports throughout the week. Matt LaFleur has not said yet, but I would not be shocked if number 12 there in Green Bay did not suit up for the second game of this preseason. We know Aaron Rodgers is at an advanced stage of his career. He probably doesn't really want to give it a go much in preseason action, which means it's Kurt Benkert for the Green Bay Packers, one of the best names you will ever see of any person, but especially a quarterback in the NFL. And then you look at Zach Wilson, very efficient in that week one opener, six of nine, 63 yards. But Mike White, his backup was even better, 13 of 19 for 127 yards. And we know Robert Salah takes a defensive approach coming from the San Francisco 49ers, where he was the defensive coordinator. If you look at how the Jets really dominated that game defensively, they only allowed the Giants to have 11 first downs, only 163 total yards, and they dominated time and play of possession. 75 plays the Jets ran on Saturday night against their in-city foes, who the Giants only had 44 plays. So the Jets were pretty impressive, honestly, in their preseason opener, controlling some of that game. A one-and-a-half-point favorite at the moment. If you were looking for an early lean, I would lean to the Jets in Green Bay on Saturday. I also would lean to the under. Who's going to? So you have Kurt Banker as your third string. Is he going to play the whole game? Is there going to be someone else they throw in under center for the second half? I don't see the Packers putting up that many points. The Jets, even if they have a bunch of starters on the field, including their rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, they still couldn't put up more than 12 points last week against the Giants. Switching over to the Giants, the line has moved in favor of the Browns, their opponent. The Browns went from minus four to minus six. The Browns are coming off a win, beating the Jaguars on the road, 23-13. Giants again, 12-7 loss to the Jets, first loss since 2013 to the Jets in the preseason. This total also dropping 38.5 to 36. Not as willing to jump Mm. in on an under in this game, Ben. However, the Browns, they played well last week, despite not starting any of their starters either. I mean, look at all that line movement initially here in the total, down from 38 and a hook to 36 right now, dropping by two and a half points already. I wonder what that movement is for, and can we be contrarian in how we look at this now heading into week number two? Dave Sherapan, our sportsbook conciliary, former odds maker himself, said you might see totals drop across the week two slate of the preseason. That could be your opportunity based on an overreaction of so many unders week number one to try to take the contrarian point of view, maybe the sharp side, and take the over on what we are seeing. However, when you look at this game from a side perspective, this is the third largest largest spread currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Only the Steelers, who are favored by six and a half points against the Lions, and the Raiders, who are favored by seven against the LA Rams, have larger spreads. The Browns were impressive in their week one opener, despite no starters playing. 
Kyle Laletta, the guy out of Richmond, was really, really good. Probably one of the best stat lines you will see of any quarterback in week one of the preseason. 19 of 27, 212 yards, and two touchdown passes for Kyle Laletta, who started that game for the Cleveland Browns. Also, Case Keenum off the bench was pretty good as well. It will be interesting to see, though, Ariel, for this game, what we can expect from the starters and what the depth chart looks like for both the Giants and the Browns. The Browns did not play any of their starters week number one. Might we see Baker Mayfield? Might we see Jarvis Landry? Might we see Odell Beckham in this game? That remains to be seen. The Giants also held out Daniel Jones of that preseason week one opener. Joe Judge expressed early on in training camp he was treating week one kind of like week four of old preseasons where you pretty much pack up and get ready for the regular season. So that is something to keep an eye on in the handicap for this game between the Giants and the Browns throughout this week. I would let those depth chart and quarterback plans come out before you bet on this game if you look at it from a side perspective. Right, that's really where I was looking was the New York Giants. They didn't play any of their starters last week. They're going to be extremely cautious with their running back, Saquon Barkley, coming off a torn ACL. As for their quarterback, Daniel Jones, he didn't play last week either. How is he going to set up with his wide receivers? Are him and his wide receivers clicking on all cylinders? How's the relationship? How's their wide receiver, Kenny Galladay, who came over from the Lions in the offseason, ends up tweaking his hamstring in practice about a week or two ago? Is he doing better? There's a lot of precautions that these Giants are taking, and I just want to see this Giants offense in action. I want to see what this Giants offense can do because defensively, I really do have faith in them. It's just the offense. I just want to see if Daniel Jones could take that next step because he has a number one wide receiver. He has a number one running back. Are they healthy enough to play? And that's going to be the question we'll have going into week one of the regular season. Coming up next, we are going to welcome in our own NBA analyst. It is SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining the show, former women's basketball coach at Monmouth and now our NBA analyst here at the grid, it is Coach James Young. Coach, we had breaking news this morning in the center for the Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid. He has signed a massive extension with Philadelphia. This deal is a four year deal worth $196 million. It's a super max contract extension. Now, the question here wasn't so much about if Embiid was going to be in Philly. Coach, it's about, well, what does this move set up for next? Well, first of all, shout out to, MB, uh, to Mr. Embiid. Get that bag. Anybody gets paid, I am very happy for you. Yo, uh, I need a little loan, so hit me up if you have a couple of bucks to spare. Now, when we get to Embiid, Yes, everybody's expecting it. Embiid had an MVP-type season last year. Best player in the team by far. But it sets up to what is the next move. Obviously, you saw what happened after Game 7 against the Hawks where Embiid and, and basically Doc Rivers ran over Ben Simmons, um, throwing him under the bus. 
um, with how he could basically blow the series by not taking a layup. So now it's about what is next, meaning what do you do with Ben Simmons? I know Daryl Morey's asking for the moon, and I'm not with that because I think you guys have heard his value, and the longer this drags out, the worse it's going to be. You would think you would try to move Simmons before training camp. Otherwise, this becomes a huge distraction to the 76ers. James, right now the Philadelphia 76ers have the third shortest odds to win the Eastern Conference on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 900. Do you think that's fitting? Do you think that's where the Sixers will find themselves by the time we get to the latter part of the 2021-22 NBA season? I don't. I think they're the, I think they're the four right now. You know, you obviously got to think that Brooklyn is one, Milwaukee is two. I love what Miami has done. We're adding more toughness with Kyle Lowry. I think Jimmy Butler is going to be an angry Jimmy Butler, and an angry Jimmy Butler is bad for the rest of the NBA. So I think they're three. So right now I think they're sitting right now at the fourth slot, and you never know because I really think does Atlanta make that jump? Because if they do make that jump and become a consistent team during the regular season, remember, I do believe they had the best record in the NBA once Nate McMillan took over. They could even jump them also and get to the four seed. And now you're looking at Philadelphia at a five. They're a top five team. I just don't think they're three. With that said, Coach, what can the Sixers do to get to the point where they are a top contender in the East? Trade Ben Simmons. <laughs> like yesterday or two days ago or a week ago or a month ago, whatever it is, you got to get rid of the guy at this point and you got to add more shooting. Now, Maxie's had a really good summer league. Only played, I think, in two or three of the games. Played really well. Maybe he takes the next step. You know, does Tobias Harris become that consistent number two scorer that he needs to be? Curry, Seth Curry had a really good playoffs. Does he take the next step? You know, Danny Green comes back. So they do have talent there. And they should be good. But to me, it's about perimeter shooting right now with uh, Philadelphia if they can surround that around Embiid. Coach, you mentioned Tyrese Maxey in the Summer League. It is the final day of Summer League action out in Vegas. The championship tonight between the Sacramento Kings and the Boston Celtics. Right now, Boston is favored by four and a half points on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I ask you a two-part question. Is there a handicap? And then how do you handicap the Summer League championship? Well, scoring has been up this summer league as compared to others, and these two teams are scoring at a tremendous clip. You know, right now, Boston's scoring 100 points a game in the summer league, which is a high amount, 86 for uh, Sacramento. But Sacramento makes their bones on the defensive end of the floor. So that over-under at 172.5, that's dicey because there's one other part to realize. Peyton Pritchard, who may have been the best player in summer league, may not be playing for Boston. He had prior commitments played the first three or four games, may not play tonight. So with that being said, I still like Boston. They got the most experience. They still have Edwards. They still have Naismith. They still got some guys that are NBA guys that are playing really well, that are trying to earn their spot on the rotation. And you got their coach coaching the team as well. So they're trying to impress them. So over and a little bit tighter, it may fall to the other because of Pritchard being gone and the defense that Sacramento plays. But I still like Boston because of their experience and the fact that they're beating teams by over 21 points a game in Summer League. That game, 9 p.m. Eastern time out in Las Vegas. Coach James Young joining us here on the morning after on SportsGrid. When it comes to watching these players in the Summer League, how much does that impact your Rookie of the Year handicap? 
Well, I, I think what it does, Ariel, is, is you got to look at Jalen Green. It's probably been the best rookie overall in summer league. So that's why you saw his odds drop, I think, from plus 300 to plus 270. So obviously you look at him as being the guy to go up against Cade. But I still look down the line a little bit. I still look at uh, Suggs uh, out of Orlando. I think he's going to have a really good rookie year. I think Cole Anthony has not played well, so that bodes well for Suggs and maybe him and Fultz or the backcourt in Orlando. Tons of minutes, tons of playing time. And then I still go back to Shun Gun. Even when this guy has really impressed me and his skill set, you figure sometimes these Europeans, you don't know what they can do. Well, this guy can shoot it from the perimeter. He can pulse you up. He's a beast on offensive and defensive boards and he's a tremendous passer so i can see shingun at someone at like a 14 15 point 10 rebound three assists a night kind of guy with houston and make them run the offense through him at the high post area james do you want to do it do you want to give us the kevin walsh slash james young special for rookie of the year and the value play on the board what we were texting about on saturday if you would like to share right now this is your stage my man well, he had an off night last night against the Knicks. I had to watch that game. And the Knicks guys actually looked pretty good. We can talk about that later if you want to. But Sharif Cooper. Listen, I put $5 down to win 370 for rookie of the year. He was the best pick and roll uh, point guard coming into the NBA this year, meaning points created off the score and off the pass with assists. And what does Atlanta run? High pick and roll. So, yes, he's with Trey Young. Maybe they play him a little bit together because he's a, he's a dynamo defensive. He's got a long wingspan. But the thing is, is if Trey gets hurt and he's out for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, this guy goes into your starting point guard spot, and I think he can easily get 17 to 18 and 7 or 8 assists a night as a starting point guard if something were to happen to Trey in Atlanta. I love this. And apparently there's this group chat with Kevin and Ben and coach James Young. And I just can't believe that, you know, we are just finding out about this right now. There's so much information that probably circulates around that group chat around the NBA that there's going to be a winner somewhere in that conversation. And it's not going to make it onto the airwaves until it hits. And I'm extremely disappointed that I did not hear about this group chat. Anyway, when it comes to the futures market, what market catches your eye out there, coach? Well, Ariel, I, my humble apology, you, your pop queen, Harris, highness, whatever you want to be called. But I will add you to the group chat right after this. Ben, stay on top and make sure I do that. Now, in regards to the prop market, besides looking at guys like Shingun and guys um, you know, like Sharif Cooper, another sleeper to look at, Trey Murphy, has played really, really well. He's been one of the better two-way players and passers for uh, the Pelicans and look for him to get major minutes, should be a starter, plug and play. You guys already know that I like Duarte. Now, when you get into some of the other odds, MVP odds came up last week. I don't know if we talked much about it, but right now, Steph Curry is at plus 850. You know, eight and a half to one. I like those odds with Steph because I think the way he closed the season was monumental, and I think they make a leap to top three uh in the Western Conference. And the other guy you're looking at is the Joker is plus six, is 16 to one right now as an MVP where he won the MVP odds last year and had a phenomenal season. The guy is like seven foot one and is a walking triple double and no Jamal Murray early on in the year. So that's more touches for him 
So I am a big fan of the Joker. Now, if you go to the most improved player, a couple of guys to look at. Michael Porter Jr. is going to put up big stats for Denver. I do like that. I kind of feel like the Murray points are going to get split up between Joker and Porter. Porter probably getting the majority of it. And then the other one is, I'm going to my guy I rode all last year. DeAndre Ayton is, I believe, 30-1 to to be most improved player. Average 14 and 10 a game. Guys, he could be a 20 and 12, 20 and 13 guy easily next year if they give him the ball in enough spots. And I think Chris may defer to these other guys and get them involved. So I do like DeAndre Ayton as a value bet for most improved player of the year. James, you mentioned two guys there in your discussion of the MVP market and also most improved player market that play for the Denver Nuggets. And right now, when you look at the Nuggets to win the Western Conference, they have the sixth shortest odds at plus 1,000, 10 to 1. Would you say that is a correlated thought to find some value on Denver in the futures market for this upcoming season? I absolutely do, Ben. I think that's the value play right now where you're looking at them. I think they're the fourth best team in the Western Conference, and we don't know when Jamal Murray gets back. So now you look at this. You get Murray back. Will Barton, you'll have him for the entire playoffs. Joker takes the next step. Porter steps up. Ben, you know how much I love my guy Bones Highland. Bones steps in. You know, they got players there. You know, Composite's a good little, you know, scrappy guard. They got enough there that I think that they should be the value play if you look at someone to come out of the West. I love it. I love listening to all of us on the same page here when it comes to the Denver Nuggets and having the value play there. But for the Los Angeles Clippers, they're also up there in the Western Conference odds. Kawhi Leonard likely not going to play until closer to the end of the regular season. Coach, how do you see the moves that the Clippers have made in the offseason helping the Clippers to at least stay relevant as the time they get Kawhi Leonard by the time they get Kawhi Leonard back? Well, I'm not happy about the Clippers. But I'm happy about one thing. Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. Run it back with my guy Reggie Jackson. Had a phenomenal postseason. That is my dude. To the day I die, Reggie, you're my guy. So I am going to ride with him. But besides that, well, Eric Bledsoe? Like, that, that, that's your move? Like, <laughs> that's what you're banking on right now? Listen, I got, I got the Clippers as a, I have the Clippers as a six seed right now. Because think about it, Lakers, better. Utah, better. Golden State, better. Denver, better. Phoenix, better. I'll even argue that if Memphis takes the next step, they could be better. So right now, I'm seeing that the Clippers as possibly trying to be in the playing game this year. And you can't even discount, I haven't even talked about the Mavs yet. With Luka, who is their favorite to win the MVP, they could jump them. So right now, I think the Clippers are looking at the playing game. Coach, what's so fascinating to me about the Clippers is they are tied for the second shortest odds to win the West, yet there are a lot of teams ahead of them to win the NBA championship, like the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, the Golden State Warriors, who they're tied with, and even tied in that market with the Denver Nuggets. Quickly here, only about 30 seconds. You mentioned the Knicks. Quentin Grimes has looked very good in Summer League, making me eat my words on draft night. Are you happy with what you've seen out of the young guns for the New York Knicks? We both are eating words because I was cussing that pick out too. But McBride has been <laughs> awesome. Grimes has come on. Sims, the kid, is a human jumping jack uh, out of Texas. I like what the Knicks are doing. They're going to defend. They may not be the four seed, but a tips team in the playoffs that defends, if they can shoot, they'll be dangerous. 
Coach James Young, thank you for coming on with us to talk about the NBA and the futures market. He also likes the Boston Celtics tonight in the Summer League Final against the Sacramento Kings. Coach, we'll see you again next week, and uh, go ride hard on that Peloton. Good stuff. Oh, yeah, I, I got to get that in. Peloton time. Pull time coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. here on the morning after on sports grid it's sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein let's get to our poll it's time for fade the public today's poll is all about the week one starting quarterbacks it's funny yesterday we had the director of training at FanDuel, john sheeran on the show I said, why are the odds up in Colorado, and why'd you take them down in New Jersey? Sure enough, later in the day, the odds were reposted, and you could bet on three different teams starting quarterbacks for week one. Two of those teams, the Denver Broncos and the New Orleans Saints. The question here was, who's most likely to be the week one starting quarterback? Is it Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Jameis Winston, or Taysom Hill? The public has spoken, and the slight majority rules in favor of the Broncos quarterback, Drew Locke, at just over 36%. Ben, are you fading the public? I am fading the public because I watched all these preseason games in week number one, and both Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater were very, very impressive. I think that that quarterback race is going to be neck and neck throughout this regular or throughout this preseason leading into the regular season. I think at a certain point, Jameis Winston will overtake Taysom Hill in just pure quarterback skill and be named the week one starter. So my pick in all this poll right here was Jameis Winston to be the starter for New Orleans. It could be Drew Locke, but I think that race with Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a little bit more tightly contested than the race in New Orleans over the next couple weeks. Here's where I'm so curious as to what the Saints are going to do. If the wide receiver Michael Thomas does not play week one, then maybe you're more enticed to start Taysom Hill because you could do more with him at quarterback. The question really is who's going to take the first snap? That would be, it could be some kind of weird trick play for Taysom Hill and then Jameis Winston comes in the game. That's what makes it so difficult to handicap this market. Coming up next, we have hour number two. There is some breaking news in the NFL that we'll get to at the top of the hour. You're listening to Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We're here until noon Eastern time, giving you the edge for the next two hours. We've got breaking news. We'll see how the futures market's moving. And we're going to talk some college football. All coming up in next hour. We'll be right back after your sports grid news update with Alex. Not- 